a day recently where I dealt with some, some people, some wonderful people, some good people, some loving people who were dealing with some life-changing illnesses. They weren't going to get better. They weren't going to go away. It was going to change the way they were living. After I had the time to seek to be a blessing to that family, I dealt with another family who'd been betrayed by some people they trusted. They had been defrauded, and it was a horrible experience, and they were brokenhearted over all of that. I remember that very same day hearing news reports of Christians being singled out in the Middle East by those who were followers of another religion, followers of, of Islam, and, and they were literally being beheaded for their faith. And I remember at the end of that day dealing with wonderful people who had some health issues in front of them that were going to change the way the rest of their lives went, dealing with other people who'd been lied to and betrayed by someone they had trusted. I remember as a Christian thinking of brothers and sisters on the other side of the world who were literally dying the death of a martyr for nothing more than believing in Jesus Christ. And I remember thinking, man, I wish Jesus would come back right now. Have you ever felt that way? Man, I'm ready. Bring it on. We hear of all the peace and the joy and the love. I'm ready for some of that. Uh, I heard a story of a little boy who had an opportunity to spend the night at a friend's house for the very first time. He was excited, and he pled with his mom and dad, please let me go, and they said, all right, you can go. He went over, had a great time playing all day, all afternoon, then the evening rolled around, it started to get dark, and, and the mom of the, of the boy that was hosting this get-together noticed he started getting more quiet as the afternoon went on. And when it got dark, he really shut down, and she noticed there was something happening on the inside of this boy who was so excited to leave home and visit with a friend and spend the night. He's beginning to change on the inside, and she went over to him, and she said, Honey, are you starting to get homesick? And he said, no, I'm not homesick. I'm sick of here. I want to go home, you know? And I think sometimes as people of faith, we can get that way. We can get sick of all the ugliness we see. And it's great to know that if you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, this world is not our home. We've got a better place. Our citizenship is in a much better place than in any nation around the world. The Bible tells us for Christians, we're citizens of heaven, and I'm glad to know that we have heaven as our eternal home through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible tells us of Jesus that he's the Prince of Peace. And the day is coming when he will rule and he will reign and we can have the joy and the hope of knowing that he's coming today. I like how Paul mentioned it in the book of Titus. He said this, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to make a point on this passage. I've heard many people say that the great hope is the return of Jesus Christ. And that is inaccurate. The Bible says looking for that blessed hope and the appearing. So there's two different things here. We've got a great hope and an appearing. The great hope is our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so today, we're not just looking for the second coming of Jesus Christ. We're looking for the Christ of the second coming. He is the one in whom our hope is placed. He is the one that brings sense to it all. And we can be blessed today in knowing that Jesus is coming again. And when the topic of heaven emerges we find a lot of different ideas. For some, heaven sounds rather boring. And I've got to admit, personally, I remember hearing people talk about heaven when I was growing up. And, and uh, I really enjoyed the harp music we had last week. But I don't know if I'd want to play the harp for all of eternity and float in a cloud, you know. And, and all the things I saw on Tom and Jerry seemed like one or the other always ended up in the clouds playing a harp somewhere. And, and I thought, man, that seems profoundly boring to me. We're going to sing all the time and 
you know, probably wear robes or something. I'm not much of a robe guy, to be honest with you. And I, I just, everything I heard about heaven, I kind of tried to assimilate that into how I understand things. And I thought, I don't really want to wear a robe and play a harp and, and sing forever and ever. That's, that's not really something that, that interests me. I, I want to share with you that heaven will be a place where we will worship God, we'll sing praises to Him. But let me tell you about heaven. It's going to be great. What do you love in this life? Well, heaven is going to be all the good of this life without any of the bad of this life and then a whole lot on top of that. I mean, I, I remember reading a book on heaven one time and, and the author just began to only imagine is the song we just heard and, and it's skydiving without a parachute and it's scuba diving without tanks. I'm telling you, heaven is going to be eternity, an eternity of awesomeness. It's going to be an occasion to praise God, but it's going to be an occasion to just absolutely enjoy all that he has done for us. When we seek to gain an understanding of heaven, we oftentimes... Stop short of really digging for specifics. And sometimes Christians even use the Bible to justify our lack of understanding about heaven. For example, we find verses in the Word of God that say this, as it's written. Now listen to what it says here. I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And people think, well, there you have it. Eyes haven't seen it. Ears haven't heard it. It's not in our heart. God's prepared something, but we certainly don't understand what it is. And so we read a verse like that, and we go, well, we have no idea what heaven's going to be like, but it'll probably be really good. But the Bible goes on to elaborate on that and give us an idea. The very next verse says, but... God hath revealed them unto us by the Spirit. And if we'd read one verse further, we'd understand that we find in one verse, you know, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, it hasn't entered into our heart. The next verse says, however, God in His goodness and through His Spirit can reveal to us some things that will help us to gain a better understanding. How many of you this morning would like a little better understanding about the greatness of heaven to come for those who know the Lord? All right, well, we're going to do that together. If you're able, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing today. Revelation 20 is where I had you turn a minute ago and I love the topic of heaven I'm excited about talking about it this morning and uh, there are a lot of misconceptions about heaven um, the fact is heaven's going to be incredible and the Bible actually has a lot to tell us about where we'll be spending uh, eternity last week if you'll remember we spent some time with a man the Bible just calls him the rich man and he was in a place very different than heaven. He was in a place we would, we would call today, the term we would use to refer to where he was today is hell. And someone could say, Pastor, that's, that's a, an ugly term. It's a politically incorrect term. And I would say to you all today, it's a place that Jesus Christ talked about more than he talked about heaven. And I, I don't like that topic either. But heaven wouldn't be quite as beautiful if we understood the the opposite, the antithesis. And, and last week we had to spend a little time coming to understand the place from which we can be saved. And, and today we're going to get to turn the corner. Revelation 21 begins this way. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, 
and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I am so thankful for true and faithful words coming from the one who is seated on the throne. How many of you think you know who that is? <laughs> That's Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm thankful that uh, he put it on the heart of John. He told him, write these things down. There's some people in Oceanside, California in a couple thousand years. They're going to need to hear what we're talking about. There have been a lot of people in between those times that have been blessed by these words of, of Jesus Christ. And, and I want us to think on this together today. Our Father, we praise you for who you are. You are a great God. And we thank you for uh, the hope of, of spending an eternity with you. And I pray that this study today would be useful to encouraging us. And, and in so many ways, Lord, may it motivate us um, to understand who we are in you and understand where we're going because of you. But then, Lord, we live in a world where there are those who don't know you. And may this encourage us to share you with others. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we read the biblical accounting of creation in the book of Genesis, we discover that God made a perfect environment for the first family. Everything about it was perfect. The plants were at peace. The animals were at peace. The plants and animals were at peace together. The, the, the people that God created were a part of all of that. They were at peace. Their, their needs were met. The, the lives that God had given Adam and Eve were lives filled with work, but it was, a, it was a labor of love. For them, it was kind of like working on your favorite hobby or your pet project. It, it wasn't some, some tedious thing that they had to drag themselves out of bed every morning. It was a great joy to do that, which God had given them to do. God made a perfect environment for this first family. Then something terrible happened. And what happened is this. Sin entered into the world. The first family had an occasion where they sinned against God and it changed everything. This perfect environment was perfect no more. Sin entered in and, and it ruined everything. It created a snowball effect that not only changed Adam and Eve's lives and their relationship with God, but it, it changed even our world, our planet. The changes brought a, a, a negative consequence that has an impact on us today. And, and as the Apostle Paul was writing in the book of Romans, he helped us to understand some of this change and in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 he said wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death passed by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned and Paul as he was writing there he said you know it all can be traced back to one man one family one place the garden of Eden sin came in and and sin changed everything as the narrative unfolds, we find a curse was given by God that ushered in the removal of Adam and Eve from the garden. The soil, which had been an ally to mankind and a great blessing and that it produced bountifully, the Bible tells us, it, it was a soil that became more difficult to work with. Things like weeds weren't around before sin entered in and, and just life in general began to get more difficult in fact, we find a short time after sin entering into uh, the lives of those and into our, our world, the Bible then begins to mention things like death. That wasn't a part of God's uh, original intent.
intention for mankind, but because of sin, it became a part of life for each of us. As we make our way through the Bible, we see so much of the devastation that comes by way of sin. We see the hurt and we see the hatred and we think of the wars and and, and the division and, and we see so much of the difficulty that comes because we live on a fallen planet that is occupied by fallen people. We live on a sinful planet that is occupied by people and all of us today, every one of us today, are sinners. And so there are problems on this world in which we're living. And so if we were to travel from the book of Genesis and hear originally of this, of this great fall, and it was a great fall, and if we were to follow the path through Scripture, we'd see the results of it, and then if we were to make our way to the end of the Bible, in the book of the Revelation, in a very special way, we here get a snapshot of some very great news, of good things to come. We get to the end of the Bible, nearly to the very end of the book of the Revelation, and we find that the curse that affected humanity and affected our planet will be removed, and tears will be removed, and pain and grief will be removed, and and we know that this world will be uh, paradise once again. That'll be an accurate word to depict what God's going to do here and, and the heaven that God is preparing for us. Now, John wrote this particular book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation, It was a revelation of the Lord that he received from the Lord. He was writing as God was impressing upon his heart. He was imprisoned at the time of this writing. The Bible tells us on the Isle of Patmos, and the Bible tells us that the Lord came and put this message on his heart so that Christians throughout the ages would would be able to learn and glean from, from the revelation that he received. And so what is it that he learned specifically about heaven that we might be interested in knowing? That is important for us to understand. If you have your notes nearby, we'll want to get these down, all right? First of all, what what do we see when we look to this text? I want us to begin by considering this. Heaven is real. It's real. Heaven is real. And I'm glad that it is. Now, somebody could say, how do you know it's real? Uh, I read it in the Word of God. I trust that by faith. But I do have an eyewitness account here, and I believe John to be a very trustworthy Uh, source after all john at this time in his life he's exiled for believing in jesus christ and for believing the truth of god and and i don't think that he would will he could have denied christ it would have all been over he's in this situation for what he believes i i don't think he would have been perpetuating a lie in this situation i believe the testimony of scripture now we've seen that the devil loves to destroy the word of god he loves to destroy the word of god Now, there are some people that love the Word of God, and they won't let the devil destroy it, but then what the devil likes to do, if he can't destroy it, he'll dilute it. He likes to water it down, take stuff out. He he likes to just make the message a little less impactful. That's just the kind of of the way the devil works. In fact, we've seen that all all through the Bible. He loves to just kind of put little seeds of doubt in here and, and, and mess things up. Some have said of heaven, for example, that it's really just a state of mind. It's not a literal place. It's kind of a sense of euphoria that your spirit will enjoy. But guys, I'm happy to tell you today that the Bible debunks that. The Bible tells us, the Word of God tells us, that heaven is real. In fact, twice in the first two two verses, John said this, I saw. I saw. 
He had a supernatural view given to him by God. He was able to see this is not some some, uh, euphoric sense that our spirits enjoy. No, it's a place that I literally, tangibly, visibly saw. There was something to see, and John saw it. In fact, the detail he gave is really astounding. A few verses later, beyond where we read today in Revelation 21 and verse 16, John gives us a little detail of this city. He said, the city lieth four square, and the The length is as large as the breadth, and the measure of the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height are equal. So it's four square. We get the idea this is kind of a cube that we're dealing with, and and he gives us some measurements there. Now, we're Americans, amen? Well, four of you are Americans today, all right? So we like to deal in feet and inches. Furlongs and and whatever the rest, that's probably how they do it in Europe or something. I don't know what furlongs and reeds are. Actually, that was the type of measurement back in the day, and I'm I'm not an expert in those things. I'm never sure how to do uh, measurements and speeds and and weights and all of those things when I leave our country. But but John was using measurements that were familiar to him and his time. And, And those who have studied these things took what John gave, and they let us know some things about heaven based on the measurements that John was uh, given by God. And so, if John was speaking uh, literally, and we believe he was, heaven will be composed of 396,000 stories on a building. 396 stories. I'm just saying, if we took what John said and we were to try and extrapolate that out, what does that mean for us? If you were to take 20 feet per story, we've got nearly 400,000 stories of a building, and if we were to take the measurements, the building would be roughly half the size of the continental United States. It's a pretty big building, all right? And if you were to break the interior of that nearly 400,000 story building, roughly half the size of the United States, if you were to break that down into compartments, if you were to break it down into living quarters, I I think of of the word mansions that comes to mind, but really the the idea in Scripture is, yes, mansion, but but it's a living space. If we were to break that that much square footage down into living space for the Christians of all time, I think we could see there's quite a bit of room in this place that John gave us the, the dimension of but i've got to tell you that's just the dimensions of the capital city heaven's going to be a grandiose place my friends it's going to be a wonderful place it's going to be an enormous place heaven is beautiful beyond words john tells us in revelation 21 and verse 11 having the glory of god and her light was like unto a stone most precious even like a jasper stone clear as crystal a wall the bible tells us will encompass the proper city and the wall will leave 12 foundation stones representing the 12 apostles upon which the church was built by jesus christ through john's description we read of 12 gates 12 gates and each gate the bible tells us is consisting of a single pearl And and the Bible tells us in Revelation 21 and verse 13, on the east there were three gates, on the north there were three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And gates cover all directions to remind us that the gospel message was sent out in every direction to every person. And the Bible tells us that the streets are made of pure gold. Can I get an amen today for no more potholes? 
And if there were any potholes, we'd, we'd just sweep up the gravel and take it home with us and do something with it maybe. But, but this is what the Bible tells us of heaven. I'm telling you today that based on the word of God. Now, I always say this. You can deny the word of God if you'd like to. That's your decision, your prerogative. Feel free to do that. But let there be no mistake as to what it is the word of God says. The Bible tells us that heaven is a very real place that people of faith will go to spend eternity. It's a place where those who've been saved from their sins and saved unto God will go to enjoy Jesus Christ and all that he has he has prepared heaven is real but we've got to also see here in this text here it is heaven is ready right now right now it's ready it's ready it's prepared right now now I want you to listen to what John said in verse 2 all right let's look at these words together and I John saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared. And then he thought, what analogy could I use to refer to how heaven has been prepared? Prepared, well, you know, like a bride, getting ready for that wedding day. Now, we've had a lot of weddings at Coastline lately. And uh, I think the last one was a week ago, Friday. And uh, that was kind of fun. Gavin and Michaela got married, and it was, it was great, it was great for, for everybody, but it was kind of fun for me. Uh, Michaela, first time I saw Michaela, she was about three, running around uh, terrorizing the nursery with my daughters, you know, and, and uh, to, just to see her uh, raised up. And it's kind of fun to be a pastor in the same place for a long time. I love being a part of your all's lives, and that was a special day. But, you know, I, I was watching those two, and Gavin really could have cared less how he looked on that day. Someone else combed his hair, I'm sure of it, you know, and he didn't pick out what kind of tie am I going to wear. But Michaela, hey, down to the very last hair, she had an interest. I want to look beautiful. This is a big day. I want to look perfect, all right? Now, I don't know why it is. In general, typically ladies are a little more interested in looking nice in moments like that than, than guys are. And, and uh, I've noticed as we've had a lot of these weddings throughout the summer, in every case, uh, the bride is just, just looks beautiful and took that time to make sure that, that she was put together, as we would say. I think another word that could be used is prepared, prepared. And John said that heaven has been prepared, you know, like a bride the attention to detail. One preacher from a generation or two ago by the name of R.G. Lee, he said this, heaven is the most marvelous place the wisdom of God could conceive and the power of God could prepare. Read a story of a girl who was born blind. For 10 years of her life, she relied on her mom's description and her mom loved her very much and and so wherever they'd go, the mom would always be talking to the girl, always, always, always trying to explain all the things, all the beauty. And, 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 and whatever was wrong with her eyes, the doctors discovered they thought they could reverse it. And sure enough, they performed a surgery and they wrapped her up and the day came for the bandages to be taken off. And, and uh, as I'm reading this story, you can imagine the anticipation's rising and the excitement is there and everyone's wondering, will it have worked and all the rest. And, and uh, the doctors took the bandages off and really in, in utter silence, everyone's just staring at her looking for a reaction action and she she gets up from the table and she walked over to the window and just looked just looked out the window and uh, as she's looking there everyone's beginning to understand none of that would have happened if she cannot now see and and uh, as she's looking there without turning back to her mom she just said mom why didn't you tell me how beautiful everything is and the mom said honey I tried but words just don't do it think of that 
Here's John reaching for any way possible to help us understand how beautiful and enormous and wonderful this place is and how much attention God has paid. I, I think when we get to heaven, we'll run around for, for, you know, for thousands of years checking everything out, enjoying every bit of it. And one day we'll be walking down the gold streets next to a pearl gate and we're going we're gonna to see John and we're going to say, John, I read your book. It was good. You couldn't have said any more. I mean, look at this place. You, you saw it, and, and, and you wrote a book of the Bible, and it's only like that big. I mean, isn't there more you could have said to help us understand how wonderful this place was going to be? And I think John, like that mom, would say, look, man, words can only take me so far. Words only take us so far. But think of this. If the earth was created in six days, and yes, I'm naive enough to believe that as well, heaven's been in the works for a long time. When Jesus left his earthly work here, in John 14 and verse 2, he made a statement. He said, my father's house are many mansions. It's one house, mansions within the house, dwelling places, all right? If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. It's ready, and, and, and you'll enjoy it forever. I'm thankful for that. And I want us to see today, finally, heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. That's what makes heaven heaven. Jesus is there. Now, as we read a moment ago, the Bible made an interesting point in verses 3 through 5. If you remember as we read through there, the, the Bible lets us know that there is no temple in heaven. There's no temple in heaven. And, and if we're going to worship him for eternity, you know, you'd kind of think there'd be a temple. You've got you to get together and you've got to you got to worship him, and so naturally you think, well, there's, there's just got to be a temple. And that's, that's not what we find in the Bible exactly. The reality is the whole place is a temple. The whole place is an occasion to give him glory. The whole place is an occasion for us to worship him, and, and, and uh, he's going to be there, of course. When John introduced Jesus in the Gospel of John, listen to how he said it in John chapter 1 and verse 14. He said in the Word, and we've talked about this in our study, right? The Word. This is one of the, the words to speak of Jesus Christ. The Word is logos, and it referenced the fact that the message is embodied in Him. And so that Word speaks of Jesus Christ. So, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But when the Bible tells us that He dwelt among us, that's a very specific word. It's a word that readers in that day would have, would have understood exactly what was being said. In our vernacular, we might say it this way. He pitched his tent among us. The word that was used in that passage we just read was, he tabernacled among us. And the picture is, God the Son, Jesus Christ, the word, he became flesh. And the thought was, let me, let me put some words to that to help you understand it. He tabernacled with us. He pitched his tent with us. For a while. That's how, that's how that works. And, and, and as he dwelt, the, again, the expression is, is tabernacle. Tabernacle. Now, in the next verses in our study, I want us to read this together, all right? Keep in mind what we just heard. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. 
And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. We find a mention of the tabernacle of God. Let me tell you, the tabernacle of God, it's not a what in this case, it's a who. The tabernacle of God is Jesus Christ, and his presence is what makes heaven so wonderful. The fact that Jesus is there, that's what makes heaven, heaven. More than gold streets and pearly gates and all the rest, it's that Jesus Christ is there. A few years ago, maybe four or five years ago now, uh, I was coming up on a time and, and uh, I, I, I've started taking maybe three or so days to work on a preaching calendar for the following year. Every year in the fall, uh, I'll take a few days and, and uh, I'll, I'll try to uh, plan where do I want to take our church in the next in the next 12 months and just get topics you know you can possibly prepare them in that time it's just planning and um, i've also found if i don't get out of the office that that doesn't happen as easily as you might think so i'll take a few days and just find a quiet place and try to put the annual calendar together put the finishing touches on it and and mostly work on my preaching calendar i was preparing to do this when i got a call from my dad who was in hawaii and uh he said steve listen he said uh mom grandma she's she's very sick and in fact, this was years ago, and at that time they thought she may pass away, but he said, he said we, we've got to leave and, and go be with her, but he said, you know, I've, I've got this place, and, and uh, we've already paid for it, and we've got five days left on, on our time here, and, and uh, would you like to come over here to Hawaii and, and uh, use this space for the next few days? I know it's late notice, but I just hate the thought of it just sitting here empty while we've already paid for it, and, and uh, what do you think about that? And I thought, yeah, that, that sounds pretty good to me. You know, I, I didn't even really pray much, to be honest with you. I just thought, yeah, I, yeah, I'll do that. And uh, I was just getting ready to, uh, to take some time anyhow, and I had sky miles for the ticket, and so it's like I'm adding it all up. I got the time. I got the transportation. I got a place to stay. And uh, that's, that's, that sounds like a match made in heaven. You know, I was like, hey, thanks a lot. He put it all together for me. And so I said, absolutely, uh, I'd love to do that. So uh, got, got on a on a plane with the Sky Miles and made my way over to Hawaii and, and where they were staying, literally, at, uh, the, the hotel has a phone literally in the baggage claim. You pick it up and they'd send a shuttle over. It's, it's awesome. So I got there and I'm like, oh man, you talk about a great place to really uh, spend some time praying and planning and all the rest. And, and uh, I, I got over there and, and you would say, you know, that's, that, that's got to be great. And I want you to know something. It wasn't great. Hawaii's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Hawaii is great. It's not great if you're all by yourself. I was like so homesick that week, I almost had actual physical symptoms, okay? It's a wonderful place to be, but when you go there without people you love, I, I think my favorite thing to do is to get away with Lisa, and we go to Hawaii, and when we get back, people say, what did you guys do? And we always say, we didn't do nothing, and that's an honest answer, man. We just lay around and have fun and, and sit on the beach and take long walks, and, and I just enjoy being with her. And if she's not there, it's not the same for me, and as awesome as the accommodations, the climate, and all the rest might be, it's not great when you're alone. What makes heaven isn't just the beauty and peace, it's the fact that the beautiful Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, is there. And conversely, what makes hell so devastating? It's not just the horror of it all, the fire and so forth. It's the fact that you're eternally separated from the love of God. Jesus makes all the difference in this. The psalmist in Psalm 16 and 11, and, and, and I love this verse, all right? 
Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Listen to what the Bible's telling us. God gives us the path that leads to his presence, and in his presence there's pleasures forevermore. That's just how Jesus does it. He tells us how to come to him, and of course he's come to us. He's the instigator, the prime mover, and he draws us to himself. And as we consider this text before us in Revelation, we learn a lot of things that are in heaven, but I'm glad to know we learn a lot of the things that aren't in heaven. For example, in verse 4, we learned a few things that won't be there, like tears and death and sorrow and crying and pain. But there's something else that won't be in heaven. And actually... It's a someone else. And I'm speaking of those who have not accepted God's gift of eternal life. And they won't be missing for lack of an invitation from God because God's, he's really gone to great lengths to let us know he loves everybody. You know, people say, how could God send someone to hell? Hey, people, people go to hell of their own volition. God said, hey, I want everybody to come here. He's taking care of it all. Just as I kind of made a trip for free to a place like that, God's taking care of every need. In Revelation 22 and verse 17, there's a pretty clear indication of the heart of God here. The spirit and the bride say, come on, come on. And let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. God's heart is, hey, everybody can come. I want everybody to come. It isn't God's will that anyone would miss out on heaven. The Bible in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 tells us that God's not willing that any should perish. He wants everybody to come to repentance. Heaven contains great meaning for people of faith. I mean, last week we talked about life, death, and what happens next. And honestly, the, the light at the end of the tunnel in life is, is really knowing we have an eternity to be with God. We get to get the word out to those around us as well. On the occasion of the 50th anniversary of his graduation from Harvard, Michael Bloomberg was invited to give the commencement address for the class of 2014. I listened to the speech, and then I read the transcript of the speech, and a quote was made in that speech that, would get a pastor's attention for sure and probably the attention of any Christian that was listening. Let me share with you a quote that Michael Bloomberg made. This is a quote. Every word of this is a quote. He said this, I'm telling you that if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I've earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. He mentioned political achievements and decisions he's made. Uh, along the way in the political arena as evidence for the fact that he's going to have preferred treatment and he's assured of a place in heaven. Now listen, it's not for me today to say where Michael Bloomberg stands in terms of relationship with God. That's not the point of me sharing that statement. But I'm happy to tell you today that the logic whereby he comes to the conclusion that he's going to heaven, it's not found in the word of God. The Bible doesn't say you're going to go to heaven because you're a Democrat or Republican or you've been both or you are one and vote the other way or you're one and vote the other way. Listen, it, it, it has nothing to do with those things. There's only one way any of us can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we don't have to uh, uh, stop. We can, we can go right in. And, and that's known for an absolute certainty that we have the forgiveness of sins, a relationship with God. Oh, listen, I want you to know today, you can know that. You can be assured that heaven is your home when you accept Jesus as the only means. I want to invite you all to join me in standing at this time, if you would. How sad would it be for somebody 
to know that they could know, but let something stand in between them and that decision. Look here. How sad would it be for somebody to have someone stand before them and do their very best to share the word of God that tells us we can know. And in your heart, you know you don't know. And you walk out the back door as though life as it is this moment is going to go on for you forever and ever and ever. How sad would that be to be exposed to the truth and walk away from the light? How shocking will it be for some who think that based on their works and their merits and their efforts that God's going to treat them differently than others? It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's by His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration. Let me tell you something. There's only one way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ, faith in Him. And that's how everybody gets there. The Bible tells us God's no respecter of persons. He doesn't look at us as the haves and the have-nots or uh, in this category or that. I get so tired, everybody trying to break groups down. Let me tell you how many kinds of people there are. One, mankind. One, we all bleed red. We're all made in the image of God. And God says, I want you to know all of you come to me the very same way through faith in Jesus Christ. And I know, I know there's some in this room right now, this morning, if pressed on the issue, do you know for sure that heaven would be your home? You're thinking, I'm not sure. And I'm just telling you, God loves you so much, He wants you to be sure. Why would you willfully leave not knowing? Our Father, we're here today because you're a great God and you've given us your word and we want to live for you. And, and, and certainly I'm not questioning the integrity or, or, or the heart of anybody here today, Lord, but we're simply lifting up you and your word and your message Oh, Lord, we're thankful for the life you've given us, and we've understood in the course of our study the inevitability of physical death. But, Lord, once we die physically, we then have an opportunity to spend forever and ever with you. And, God, I want everybody I meet to know that they can spend forever with you. Help us now. Bless this time. May we be honest and open before you. Let's keep our heads bowed in the spirit of prayer. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, Pastor, you've... You talked about that and you'd say, you know something? It's great encouragement for me to know that heaven is there. It's, it's a great blessing for me to know that the Bible with specifics gives us an idea of what it is that's awaiting those who know the Lord. And, and maybe you'd say today, Pastor, the Lord used that message to encourage my heart about the topic of heaven. I wonder, are there those by the testimony? Just a quickly raised hand this morning. Pastor, there was something in that study for me today. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Now listen, here's the question. Are you going there? And if you're 99.9% sure, you're 0.1% not quite there. Because the Bible says you can know. Hey, look, you say, Pastor, I don't take your word on that. And I'd say, good for you. Good for you. Let's take the word of God on it. 1 John 5, 13. These things are written that you can know that you have eternal life. Oh, I just love God. He's so clear. And He loves us, and He wants us to know. Now, maybe you're here today, and you'd say, you know, Pastor, um, I'd, I'd, I'd like to know that. I'd like to know that. I'm not going to call you out, but, but I'm, I want to know who's, 
Whose heart is the Lord working on in this way? Are, are there some today, and, and by the testimony, just a quickly raised hand, you say, Pastor, I, I'd love to have that confidence that heaven is my eternal home. Uh, think of me in prayer, Pastor. I, I, that's how God's working in me right now. Are there those this morning, by testimony, just a quickly raised hand? Pastor, I'd like to know. I'd like to be sure. Pray for me. Pray for me. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others? Pastor, pray for me. I'd just like to know for sure. I'd like to be certain of that. Maybe there are other decisions that need to be made in your life. Maybe you've been saved and not yet scripturally baptized or the Lord is putting on your heart to uh, be a part of His work in the world today in, in, in uh, uh, serving in a church and being a part of a church family. And if the Lord's put on your heart a desire to be a part of Coastline, wonderful. Maybe you just want to spend some time in prayer today. Maybe you want to pray for someone that you, you care for, someone you love and you're not sure of where they are in terms of their relationship with God. Ryan's going to lead us in a song of invitation in a moment. If you know those words, you could sing along with him. But I want us just in our hearts today to have that moment of prayer, that time of prayer. God, because of heaven, help me too. And you fill in the blanks. You answer that. God, because it's true, because of what we know, help me too. I want us to think in those terms as the, as the music is being sung today, just in our hearts before the Lord. Let's use this as a time of prayer with Him. As the singing begins, let's all go to the Lord in prayer in our own hearts.